So, so, so when I, I'm thinking hustle, it's like. So if I had to word association, activist hustle. I think activism is just taking a stand. People um, of color, minorities, existing as themselves fully and embracing the. If hell you don't, that, you hustle to get something that like is not I'm on the road. And not only that, everyone's struggling. Always a light at the end of the tunnel. I would just say action every day. So cool, glad that we all are here together. So different, uh, fun little surprise that we all, all four of us get to be on the podcast at the same time. Um, to reflect on this most recent episode, um, thanks again to Lior and Eyal for uh, joining us, dropping so much wisdom. I had a great time listening. I know everyone here, I won't speak for Alina and Rachel, but I imagine it was a lot of fun uh, to be a part of it. And uh, right now what we want to do for y'all is just do a quick, not a quick, but we're going to do a uh, debrief ourselves on uh, you know, all the things that we were thinking and feeling about that episode and identified um, a few different themes from the episode. And of course, it was just jam-packed with amazing content. So uh, we distilled it down to just a few different points. Um, and we'll dive into the first one now, which is um, the theme of authentically meeting a need uh, in your activism and building the world that you want to create. Something that was really notable about this project is that it didn't start with a battle and it also didn't start from a place of pity or saving someone. It started with a question. Uh, how can we make the most impact on the world with this project um, and what can we learn from that work? So curious, I'll just put it to the floor uh, if anyone wants to start us off with that question. Yeah, I'll start us off. Um, I loved having Lior and Ayal here. I think that I'm so, so, so happy that we're all getting together to talk about this. But so the question about saving, I love the concept of activism that doesn't stem from the savior complex, right? So to me, that is essentially what true allyship is. Like when Lior was talking about A, y'all in the sense of like mentorship and what true allyship means is, is really two people noticing that there is either a need or something that needs to happen out of love. And so often we see activism being something that stems from necessity and necessity in a way that's like where there exists like grief or oppression or sometimes the words that are associated with that need are so negative that the whole concept of how this project started being just out of love and out of the passion that y'all had for teaching and the passion that Lior had for learning and their love of language itself like blew me away 
I totally agree with you, Lena. I think that um, I totally get what you're saying about activism often starting from a place of anger in a, a lot of times. And, and this project, it just, it did grow differently because it came from a place of love and because of meeting this authentic need like we're talking about. I think that it affected the growth of the project because it didn't, they didn't have any expectations. Like they didn't have these ideas of grandeur when they were starting it, but that's what made everything that happened after it so much cooler. they pronouns and you're about to start this class that's a gendered language how are we going to make how can we make this work for it for you and how can we include you in this class it meant that it started with a lot of trust and i think so often in activism there's i don't know just like this feeling of wanting to be do everything right and like not mess it up and there can be this this thing about purity that makes it actually hard for people to trust each other um and Brandon asked the question about like it it seems like this project starts from a place of like building a world that they wanted to create and that um there's a name for that in Hebrew and in Judaism it's like the it's haolam haba the world to come and this there's this concept of like we need to create the world to come, like the better world or like heaven. Some people think of it as heaven. Some people think of it as, you know, the Messiah, the world that the Messiah is in. But the, this, there's this idea that like we need to do the work to create it. And it just felt like that idea, even though they didn't quite name it that way, they did kind of talk about creating the world they want to see. And um, it reminded me of that concept a lot. That's so cool. I'm so happy that you shared that, Erin. And I think what we can learn from it too is kind of like moving forward in activism, like as a generation, as everyone. I feel like so often we're thinking like, I need to make a difference. Like I need to leave my mark on the world. Like what am I going to do to like make a change? And that's how we're coming at our issues and coming at our causes. But this is more of like a mindset of like, I'm going to, I'm going to do things that create the world that I want to live in. So I think that's a really beautiful point. So I, I, I love what we're talking about here. And I think the, it kind of segues us nicely into the next theme of allyship um, of previous generations. And we, it was, of course, I think one of the most touching as, uh, aspects of the episode where we talked about allyship um, and how really uh, Ale did not have any reason to read to the bottom of that email or take action when they noticed um, uh, they, their pronouns for one of their students that just wanted to get into the student, get into their class, but um, you know, they took that, act, that, that action, which is awesome. And curious, can, can we as a group think about, or each of us individually think of an example in society or in your personal life when older generations became allies to support a cause and what the consequences of that was, were? Um, I'll take this one. I, and mine is super short, but when they brought this up, what I was thinking mostly about was our target audience for the podcast and thinking all the way back to season one, um, episode two with Reginald, 
when he was like, my mom's my biggest supporter. And it really made me start to think about what activism has looked throughout generations and how we often hold people to certain standards and, and say like, oh, this is an activist like Martin Luther King or Gandhi or all of these people who we aim to, to be like. But really, it's more about the work that they have left and the legacies that they have left for us to pick up. And I think when we target Gen Zs and millennials, um, as we start to get older and start thinking of having more of a mindset about our children and what legacy we are le leaving, um, it also just makes me reflect on how empowered we are to then start leaving our own legacy, but how that wouldn't even exist if the people before us hadn't begun theirs. I love that you brought up someone from the first season because what came to mind for me was actually Chu's episode where she kept talking about the OGs <laughs> and these like much old, like even I think probably older than her parents, um, people from maybe like two generations before her activists that she's organizing with in, um, in Boston in the Chinatown Neighborhood Coalition. And I think sometimes our our dominant culture is really obsessed with everything being new and that like the newest thing is always the best and the, the most effective and the coolest and we're always innovating and it has to be different. And um, she was a really good reminder and Reginald are great reminders of like that, you know, people who have come before us have a lot of wisdom and a lot to share. And then I think with Lior and I all, their story is this great reminder that like, just because a concept is new, it doesn't mean that somebody who, you know, Ayal's not, Ayal's not that old anyway, but he's in a different generation from Lior. Um, and it, the fact that maybe using non-binary pronouns is, is newer to English didn't mean that Ayal was like confused about it or unable to support or help. He, it was the opposite. I love that. It also makes me think a little bit about culture. Um, and like hearing you say like, oh, y'all isn't really that old. I'm like, no, oh my God, you're totally right. But when we're thinking about generations, like I always think about like, who's the grandfather, who's the like young person and who's like the child. Um, but it also makes me think about culture and how much activism that comes from cultures that value the knowledge that gets passed down from generation to generation do activism very differently um, than those who come from you know, cultures that don't necessarily have that value embedded in them or taught at a very, very young age. No, and I love that, Lena, the idea of, and I mean, potentially not even the, the idea, but like that, the, the, the fact that like, when you come to activism from different perspectives, like you're going to approach um, allyship of different generations differently. And I think that could be, or should be like, as a person that does, you know, blueprint, like youth leadership development, something that we should be focusing a little bit more on as we're thinking about, um, you know, getting young people started in activism or scaling in activism. Um, it's definitely easy to be thinking about what's the next best thing, uh, you know, in, in kind of the startup community. Like if you're not really on a tech platform, like what are you doing? And it's like, there's so many other ways of making change that people have done for millennia before a computer ever became, um, you know, in its current manifestation. But uh, yeah, thanks y'all for, for sharing your perspectives on, on allyship. And, you know, actually something we talked about in our first episode, taking it all the way back to episode one, uh, talking about patience. This is a bit different than we talked about in the first episode. We talked about patience with ourselves, um, but now we're talking about patience with people who aren't there yet. Um, and exhibiting some compassion and love for those people. And curious for 
for the team, full team, again, just keep shouting out. Like, we're the full team, people. It's exciting. Um, but when you're thinking about activism coming from a place of love and compassion, how do we engage with those who don't show us the same? Okay, I'm going to start. <laughs> I'll do a, like a two-for-one answer because I was thinking about this in the last question, but I loved how, how positive everyone was being about the allyship. So I didn't want to bring it down, but now I feel like I can answer it with this question because I'm thinking about Diane Feinstein, and she's a Democrat, but all of these like youth activists had come to her office to talk about climate change and things that they wanted to see in the future, and they were like young, young kids, and there is audio of it that you can look up, and she is just like totally dismissing them and like shutting them down, and um, it is sad, and I think that that was a hard thing for the kids that had to navigate, like, this person isn't meeting us with love and compassion and understanding, like, how are we going to respond, especially as a young person, it's like, you're trying to figure out all of the most effective ways to communicate in the first place, so to put them in that position where they, some of the kids almost start, like, you know, like, begging her to kind of, like, see it from their perspective, and demanding that she understand that they're going to have to live with the repercussions of climate change if we don't make a radical change and in policies about climate specifically and her advice to them was like well you can just like become my job when you're older and it kind of that was like her solution i love that you brought this up rachel um because it highlights two things too so one definitely the generational thing um but two on her end right like we're totally like the, the young generation that's pushing for change that is like so obvious is so relatable and then I think about her and she really was trying to communicate something that it's like such a truth and again it's like we live with these truths that shouldn't be right like we're all just very aware of things that like suck or like ways that we're getting you know screwed by the system um but we we don't necessarily so we're all like almost like acting against it like saying like this is messed up like we need to change it like we're this generation that's like so loud and so strong and and notices all this stuff and calls it out and here's this woman who comes from a generation where like no things were very in the system and like she very well knows that even if she were to support that bill that bill's not gonna pass and is it even a bill and like all this other nuances that come with being part of her generation that I was like wow she's really terrible at communicating this like <laughs> she sounds like a really mean old lady and in reality she's just having a really hard time communicating the fact that like she knows this is her reality and she knows that like even if she were to support that you know, and like, I think it, you get put in a tough spot when, where language intersects with generation because we wouldn't use the same terms that she used or we would engage in the conversation very differently. And it just makes you look at how much language itself affects the communication that happens between generations. And that in itself affects the joint or not activism that goes on. I love how, Lena, you're kind of even like already or even in that example, right, that was like hard to listen to, um, you're kind of looking at it from a place of compassion and thinking about, well, what does it feel like to be somebody who's been trying to work for change for decades and 
you know, might be a little bit jaded. Um, and I think one of the things that Lior said that I found really important when they were talking about um, this idea of, you know, meeting people where they are and starting from a place of love that I just want to make sure doesn't get lost was this a the fact that depending on our positionality and the different identities that we're carrying like we can have more or less energy for that and it can be more or less like safe for us to do that right Lior when they were talking about that idea they said like you know I maybe don't have privilege in the fact that I'm non-binary and I have privilege in all, they named all these other ways that they do have privilege and said, you know, so maybe I'm in a better place in some situations to be out there talking to that person who doesn't quite get it yet and isn't, and needs to be shown that love. And there are other days when they're like, I don't have the energy for that. And depending on, and if they had other identities or were kind of, even more marginalized in more ways, then it's also, it doesn't always have to be everyone's responsibility to have so much patience if it's putting you in a, in a dangerous place um, physically or emotionally. And I think they, the way they talked about it was just so wise and kind of in kind of balancing both of those things, which I think are just really both important to be thinking about when we're thinking about like being patient with people. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for bringing that up. Actually, I think that segues us nicely into um, another thought that was like explicitly talked about in the in the episode, um, because both, you know, Lior and Al t- talked about love. And uh, Lior noted that not everyone is always in the position to expend the energy or take the physical slash emotional risk to extend that love. And curious, what did that make you all think about when you heard that for the first time? What, what Where did your head go? I love this question. I, for me, I think about this all the time. And I think that as somebody, again, who's part of this generation that is so energized and ready to call out the wrongs, but in a compassionate way, I feel like we have the sense of responsibility to not let the wrongs just happen. Like we, none of us are a generation of bystanders. Like you couldn't call us that. All of us are actively standing up for something. Um, And so it literally brings me back to every single teachable moment that I let pass out of self-preservation. And I think it was so important that this was pointed out because so often I want to just say the right thing or teach the right thing and, and while at the same time juggling the emotion that I'm facing when sometimes it's towards me or my culture or my people or different identities that I hold. And so I think that the whole notion of coming at it from love is so important. And also knowing that like, not every battle is mine to fight and and that that's okay. And almost like before even giving in or giving up, as some people would say it, like I have to forgive myself for not putting up that one fight because of the emotional toll that it will take on me to have to even reflect that that fight is happening still. And so all of that really brought me to like this point that I was thinking about compassion and the fact that, you know, Lear and Nayal are talking about such a complex issue of 
define gender norms in a society and in a religion and in a language that is very defined in gender norms. Um, and they're doing it so well because it came from compassion and curiosity. And I think that that was my biggest takeaway of that if you engage through compassion and curiosity, like you will always have something that you can relate to and you will always have a person that you meet that regardless of how different they are or how unaware they are of the situation and what is happening or how they're contributing to oppression or contributing to the movement um, because of the compassion and the curiosity that you can establish as a human you can immediately have like a foundation for some type of relationship that can eventually create change i feel like lena's saying as long as we're like open to making these positive changes and open to like creating relationships with people like the opportunity to do good in the world is unlimited you know like as long as you're kind of walking around with that mindset which makes me feel bad about how i was originally thinking about um this question well not feel bad but like the question about if you aren't in it the right place to kind of engage with someone um to teach someone essentially like about your cause or someone that might be coming at you from like a place of ignorance or judgment or bias like my thought is like if you feel like you're about to like yell at someone like just take just don't just don't do it it's not your time but like now hopefully we can all just be walking around like Lena is saying in this like energy of positivity where we're always like operating from a place from love but I know that like things make me angry I think especially when it's people who are close to me saying these things um like relationally that I just want to like have a little outburst and like that to me because I don't hold as many identities that are potentially could be putting me in a dangerous situation to teach like I think it's more for me thinking about like if I'm about to be mad at someone, like that is when I need to not engage. But I do need to try to engage more because I want Lena to know, like, we've got your back. Like, you don't have to fight those battles because that's where I am supposed to be stepping in and like making sure that I'm engaging with people and educating people so that all of people that are coming from different minority groups don't have to do it all the time. And I just wanted to call like my favorite line I think that Lior says in the episode is like, if this isn't for you right now, like for the person you're trying to educate right now, like maybe they'll catch the wave the next time it comes around. Like don't just dismiss that they are going to reject your ideals or reject what you're thinking is right for the rest of time and dismiss them and cancel them essentially as a person. Like be open to the idea that you could have another conversation in the future and they might catch that way the next time it comes around. Like people are always changing just like our society is. Rachel, if we stay curious and people are always changing, then we're always just engaging in a positive way. Yeah. And what both of you are saying made me think of was in our little, in the intro of every episode, the last sentence is, Rachel saying action every day um and that that action can look really different right depending on where you're situated and how you're situated and Angelica says like sometimes in her episode 
her interview, she talks about how sometimes being a woman of color, like just being in a space is action. And if that's like, if you're in a place where it's so exhausting just to even like take up space, then you shouldn't have to be the person, right. Who like needs to fight the battle or like engage with somebody who's denying your right to exist. Um, and in every moment. And if like what it makes me think about as a white person and a cis person is that like I'm more often than not not having that experience. And so like Rachel, like you were just saying, that means that for me to do action every day, like looks different and looks more like maybe engaging with those people or like finding that compassion and love where it's harder to find. Whereas for someone else, it might just be showing up that that is that action um, and that takes up all the energy and there isn't as much left for also like listening to someone who's spewing hate at you. So yeah, that'll that'll do it for today. We clearly can talk about this for a lot longer and we will take our conversations offline, but hopefully you will take this conversation online. Uh, see what I did there? <laughs> and uh, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. Um, reach out to us, send us your thoughts on uh, you know, a voice message, uh, whatever it is uh, that you need to, to continue this conversation with us and, and with everybody else listening, please do. Uh, we're really excited to um, be talking about, you know, we, we, on our own, you know, outside of uh, on-air conversations, talk about how we really want to embody the values that we bring to this podcast uh, when it comes to uh, being patient, when it comes to learning, coming to things with curiosity, uh, when it comes to being allies and, and bringing voices that need to be uh, brought to the table. Thanks again for listening. As Brandon said, we'd love to have your voice in this conversation. If you have questions, comments, or something to add, send us a voice note or an email at theactivisthustle at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear from you. And we're going to take a moment to thank everybody who made this podcast possible, starting with you, the listener. Without you, there would be no us. I'd also like to thank the Activist Hustle team, starting with Rachel Sullivan, your producer and director, Aaron Taylor, our producer and editor, Brandon Rush, our creator, Amina Chandani for your creative logos and constant creative input, and a final shout out to Blueprint Leadership. If this episode has at all inspired you to take action, remember, we have support for you. Blueprint is a leadership program made by young activists for young activists. Check out blueprintldc.com services and see how we can support you on your activist hustle.